Christmas, first of all, I think of something that's warm and welcoming. And it reminds me of uh, kind of back in the day when we used to go to Grandma Vita's. That's on my wife's side, the Yancey family. We would go and we'd have Christmas Eve together there. In fact, my wife and I will be celebrating in February 27 years of marriage. And... um, when we first got married, um, Christmas Eve was when we'd go to her family. And then on Christmas Day, we would go to mine. And so on Christmas Eve, we would go to Grandma Vita's. And when we'd get to Grandma Vita's, there was this awesome fireplace where the, the, you know, the fire was really burning and strong. And literally chestnuts were roasting over the open fire. Not really. But um, it felt that way. It was just cozy. There was a tree. We played games. And the most important part is we brought in Mexican food. Come on. I mean, no Mexican and Christmas go together. Like Rama Lama Lama, ding a ding ding dong. Anyway, Christmas and Mexican food go together well. And so we would eat Christmas, I mean, we'd eat Mexican food and we'd have desserts. Come on, how many love the desserts? You could say, forget the gifts, just give me the desserts. And so it was fun. We'd play games. And then eventually, um, our family, we would sleep in the, the family room. We'd have sleeping bags in there when I had my kids. And they were, you know, a little bit older. and It was exciting for Christmas. And what would happen is that all the family would stay in different rooms. And the, you know, the grandkids with the kids now, we stayed in that living room. And when we slept there, on Christmas Eve, after everyone got in bed, I started a tradition many, many years ago. And that tradition was to read the Christmas story. So I thought, many of you that are here today, you may never have heard or read the Christmas story. You may have heard a preacher talk about it, but I thought it'd be a great tradition to do this year. And so if you'd like, I'm going to sit back with the pillow and the blanket, and I'm going to read to you the Christmas story. "'Twas the night before Christmas, and all—oh, that's the wrong story, Sorry. Now, for some of you, that that might be the story you think is what Christmas is. But let me tell you what Christmas really is. It's found in the book of Luke. And as I would tell the story to the kids, I would read it to them. And of course, I would embellish and put funny things in there to try to keep a four-year-old's attention, three-year-old's attention. I'd speak with an accent. Don't worry, I'm not going to do that today. I don't want to leave you traumatized for Christmas. But uh, let me read to you the story of Christmas. So sit back, open your heart. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the town of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger. Because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, 
Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at the things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary, she kept all things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that he'd heard and seen as it was told to them. I want you to close your eyes. Lord, I thank you for the story. It isn't some fable. It isn't some mystery. It isn't some creative idea hatched in the mind of men. But it is literally your plan to bring hope into the world. Lord, we know that Christmas is not about a tree. It's not about a fat man with a beard and a suit. It's not about reindeer. But Lord, it's about a savior. It's about a manger. So today, I ask that your Holy Spirit would, as I sense is already here, would fill every heart and that we would leave in awe, like the story we heard as we contemplate the words and the story and the message of the first cozy Christmas. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You know, today I, I want to talk to you for a minute about a cozy Christmas. And I want to give you two thoughts. And these two thoughts, I, this year I had a chance to do a little extra research in this area. And, and I learned some things. And I believe that you're going to learn some things. And in the midst of this revelation, we're going to find some truth to help us understand the power of Christmas, power of a cozy Christmas. So I want you to write the first point down. If you're taking notes, those of you joining us online, will you write this down? Number one, it's cozy at the manger. I want to talk to you about the fact that it's cozy at the manger. Luke chapter 2, verse 7 says this. It says, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. I want to pause there for a minute because when you hear that phrase, swaddling clothes, what does that really mean? Well, it's strips of cloth that were put around the baby, kind of like when those of you that have had children and you're at the hospital and they, the nurses teach you how to wrap the baby and get the arms in tight. And it's so that the arms stay tight, right? So that they don't kind of wake themselves up, jerk, you know, from moving their arms. So they would wrap them up tightly. That's kind of the scene or the picture here. The, the child, Jesus, was 
tightly wrapped in swaddling clothes. And then it says this, they laid him in a what? A manger. And because there was no room for them in the inn. So he went to the manger because there was no room in the inn. And then after the angels appeared to the shepherds, they tell them this. The angels tell the shepherds, and this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Here's what this says. The angels say that the manger is a sign. It's a sign to you. Of course, we know that it was Jesus, the Savior of the world. But as I began to contemplate the story, I began to think about that sign, the sign of a manger. What does a manger mean? Well, I believe a manger is representing a cozy Christmas. In fact, how many of you have ever heard the song, Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. The stars in the sky look down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. And then it goes, the cattle are lowing. That kind of comes out of the blue, doesn't it? The cattle are lowing. The poor... <laughs> okay, Sandra, no, no more bingatonics. We're done with that. It's interesting because when you hear the song about uh, this manger, you hear about cattle. Because what you need to understand is that when we talk about a manger, what theologians and scholars believe is it means that the child was born in a place where they brought animals. Um, it's interesting because the, it was common in those days for families, if you had a family, you probably had some animals. You might have had a cow, you might have had some um, sheep, um, uh, some chicken, and the cow would provide milk. The, you know, maybe the animals eventually would provide a meal at Passover. So you had animals. And so because you had animals, you didn't leave them out at night, you would bring them into a stable. And there were a couple different types of stables and a couple different types of mangers. One manger was not like this, but it was a manger that was carved out of stone because the house was near a cave and the cave became a manger. In fact, let me show you a picture of in the, the city of Bethlehem, a, a, a house with a stable. Lime rock was, uh, limestone was very common in that area. And so because of that, it was a soft stone where they could carve. And so many times they would build a home and then below the home, they would build out a cave and that's where they would place the animals at night. So the animals were sheltered and protected. And in that they would have a manger. Now, what was a manger? It was a trough where they placed the food and the animals would come and eat the food out of the trough. So some were made of wood, some were made of stone. So if it was a home like this and the the stable had animals in it, and it had a manger in it. It would be carved out of stone. Now, there are some that suggest that was Jesus born in a manger made out of wood, or was he born out of a manger made out of stone? Well, some believe it was a stone. Here's one reason why. Actually, in Bethlehem, there's a cave, and above that cave is a temple called the... You guys, if you'll bring that picture up. It is the Church of the Nativity. And so now there's a church in Bethlehem that is built. If you go into the church, you'll go below it, and there's a cave below it. And many believe that this is the cave where Jesus was born, or the stable where Jesus was born. In, in the year 135 AD, 135 years after Christ was born, roughly, um, there was an emperor by the name of Hadrian, and he built a, a temple 
to Adonis on the spot where the cave was supposedly where Jesus was born. And then many years later, Constantine tore that down and rebuilt another temple, which was this temple. And it was built at the recommendation of his mom to commemorize the birth of Jesus. This was the cave. And early writers um, from the church talk about the fact that Jesus was born in a cave in Bethlehem. Now, some of you are like, why are we talking about this? Well, first of all, I just want to say that the Bible says that the manger was a sign to the shepherds of Christmas. And so what is the sign? Now, if it was a cave, could it be maybe God? Because I believe God has a way of speaking, but when he speaks, there's many layers of complexity of how he speaks. Sometimes he speaks through the Bible. Sometimes he speaks through symbolism. Sometimes he speaks through the Bible that are prophetic words about things to come that are not about the context at that time. So let's just assume that it was a cave. And if it was a cave, what could be the sign that God is saying to you and me at Christmas? Well, let's think about it for a minute. Because if Jesus was born in a cave, here's what's interesting. that We know that God is the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and he's the end. And so when he began the story, it started in a cave with a child who became the good shepherd. It was the beginning only to realize that the God who's the God of the beginning is the God of the end because he knew that 33 years later, the same good shepherd would come out of the cave conquering death, hell, and the grave so that you and I could be free. Come on, somebody say amen. So could it be that the message of Christmas is not just that a child was born, but that God knows your story, both the beginning of the story and he knows the end of the story and everything in between. He has a plan for your life. Merry Christmas. It's a cozy Christmas. It's a cozy manger. Then again, maybe it wasn't a cave. So if it wasn't a cave, what was it? Well, let me show you real quickly a home. This was a home that wasn't next to a cave in that time period. And if you look at it, it had four walls. It might be in the city of Bethlehem and In the city of Bethlehem, it would have four walls that had an opening, and they would bring the animals into the courtyard in front of that house. The house was open. Below, you had the kitchen, and they would kind of hang out. There would be like a living space there, and then there was the stable with the manger. Then, when it was time for bed, everybody went upstairs, and they slept upstairs. That's where everyone would spend the night sleeping, and then they would come back down. This was a home at that period of time. Now, it's interesting because the Bible says that the reason that Jesus was born in a manger, in a stable, was because there was no room in the inn. Now, for me, there's part of me, when I did some research that led me to believe that Jesus was born more in this type of a stable, or this type of a manger made out of wood, than a cave. And let me tell you why. Because it's interesting, in the Bible, it says in Luke that there was no room in the inn. What's interesting is the word inn... First of all, let me tell you a little bit about an inn in those days. The city of, or the town, really is more like a village of Bethlehem, most likely had a population of 1,000 or less. Many little villages like this would have an inn there, a little tiny motel, hotel, whatever you want to call it, with a few rooms so that passengers going by had a place to stay. Although in that culture, it was a culture of hospitality, so often people would bring people into their homes. Let me say, it's also very probable that Bethlehem had no inn. Well, wait a minute, Pastor Jerry. If they had no inn, a lot of these little villages had no inn, then what does it mean that there was no place 
for the baby. So the baby had to be in a manger in a stable because there's no room in the inn. Well, what's interesting, if you look at the word inn, first of all, it's a different word than Jesus uses later in the Gospels. Remember when Jesus was talking about the man who was attacked and the good Samaritan comes along and he grabs him and he takes him to an inn so that he could be cared for? It's a different word than the word when it says there's no room for him in the inn. In fact, let me tell you the word it is. It's the same word. It's the word katuma. Everybody say katuma. Katuma is the same word that Jesus uses when he tells his disciples, I want you to go into that city and I want you to prepare the katuma, the upper room. I want you to prepare because that's what this was. Most likely, this was the katuma. He said, I want you to prepare the katuma for the Passover. And remember, they went and they prepared the Passover and in the upper room, they had communion together. That was the word katuma. So Jesus himself uses the inn. is not a hotel. It's the living quarters, the sleeping quarters of a normal family in the Jewish community. So now notice when they come to town, and let me explain the circumstances. It's now the census. And everyone who's related to anyone in Bethlehem has to go back to Bethlehem and be counted and pay taxes. So now all those thousand people have all of their uncles and aunts and nephews and nieces and cousins, in-laws and outlaws. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Everybody had to come back to Bethlehem. So now you have a town instead of a thousand, probably there was 4,000 or 5,000 people in town. How I many know one little inn couldn't handle that? So where do you think everyone was staying? They were all staying at one of their families, Katuma. The upstairs. So you would see a family that had their cousins and nephews and nieces and uncles, and all of them came, and they all stayed. And so they would all hang out downstairs, and it was time for bed. Literally, it was from floor to floor, people sleeping right, right next to each other's grandkids and, and, right, and aunts and uncles, and it's just packed with people. And so now notice, if that was truly the place that Joseph and Mary showed up, here's what's interesting. When they showed up, there was no room in the inn. Maybe they got there late because she was pregnant. It took longer to get there on the ride. So instead of Mary now sleeping in the inn, she slept in the stable. And Jesus was born in a manger. And some of you are like, man, Pastor Jerry, that's really cool. But what in the world are we spending all this time talking about a katuma in the inn for? Well, the reason that we're spending time talking about it is because I begin to ask myself the question, why in the world was Mary down here in the inn? Why was she in the Katuma? If she's at her family's house, you know, when, when we had um, Christmas at the, the, the Ming house, back before my father passed away, all of us would go to the, the Ming house and we'd stay for a week. All of us, we'd all live there. There's 19 of us in an 1,800 square foot house. And we all needed therapy when it was over. I just wanted to know. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. Kids everywhere, people. But you know what's crazy is when, when my wife and I had kids, and we were kind of the first one to have several right away, my parents, whenever we would show up at the house, they would always say, hey, you guys take our room. And mom and dad would sleep on the couch. And we would sleep in the room. And I always felt a little guilty about it. But 
Here we are, a family shows up, and she's pregnant, nine months, just about to have the baby. And you can't kick one of the 12-year-old kids out of the katuma. Come on, am I talking about? Come on, you can sleep anywhere. You can sleep upside down. I got a bad back. Come on, right? It's like, why in the world is the pregnant lady down in the katuma? Or down, I'm sorry, down in the stable with the manger? And so begin to think about it. Could it be that the message of Christmas is this, is that You see, when they showed up, it wasn't like happy time. It wasn't like Christmas and everyone comes together. They showed up wearing a scarlet letter because Mary was the outcast. You see, they had been engaged and suddenly she's now pregnant. And so the the obvious answer is either she slept around on her fiance or her and her fiance slept around and now they're pregnant. And so this is one of our family members and they brought shame upon our family. This was a culture. It was hardcore. And and so we don't want to have anything to do with them. We don't don't want them to be associated with us. There's conflict here. You can't be a part of the family. Well, listen, I feel bad that you've come all this way. I don't want you to sleep outside because you are pregnant, but you're not sleeping with the family. In other words, Jesus had to go to the manger, and could it be that God allowed all that to happen, even though we know that that's not what happened, that the angel had visited her and she had the child of God in her womb, that what God is saying is that when you feel like the outcast and you feel like you're not worthy... And you feel like I'm too much of a sinner. I could never be a Christian because if I tried to, I'd just be a hypocrite. When you're the black sheep of the family, God says Christmas is this. I've made room for you. That's why it's a cozy Christmas. Because the broken, the dysfunctional, the hurting, the sinner... The black sheep. Notice, it wasn't a wealthy child in a manger. I'm sorry, a wealthy child in a mansion. It wasn't the political in a palace. It wasn't the religious in a cathedral. It was the outcast in a manger because the message of Christmas is that God has made room for you. Come on, somebody give the Lord a phrase. Second point that I want to make today in this story of Christmas, it's a cozy manger, but not only is it a cozy manger, will you write this down? It's cozy with the sheep. It's cozy with the sheep. I want to read to you what we, we read in the story a moment ago. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 says, That night there were shepherds. Everybody say shepherds. Shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel assured them, fear not. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news. Everybody say good news. And that good news will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of of David. The good news, and, and here's how I want to frame it. The good news is that God has brought a shepherd into the world. So the good news is this. If God brought a shepherd, then that means that you're the sheep. 
Good news to all people. You guys are sheep. Somebody's saying, I don't think that's good news. That sounds like bad news, Pastor Jared. Come on, I've been waiting all day to do that joke. That wasn't too bad. Like that. So you're like, that's bad news, Pastor. Because you, you understand sheep, right? Let me tell you a little bit about sheep. Let me tell you what it is to be a sheep. Because we're the sheep. Sheep can't defend themselves. They have no fangs. They have no claws. They're nearsighted. They can't see. They can't protect themselves. Wait, I thought this was good news, Pastor Jared. Let me tell you a little bit more about sheep. Sheep can't feed themselves. You know, there are animals that are able to, you know, attack other animals or whatever. They're able to actually get food. Sheep, if, if they don't have a shepherd, they'll die. Starvation. Because they, they don't know where to go. They, can't, they don't know how to get to fields that are, are green with grass. Third, let me give you another thing about sheep that's such good news. And that is, sheep can't find their way home. Other animals have a homing device, right? Like Lassie, they find their way home. What's funny about that is all the millennials have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> Who's Lassie? What's he talking about? I'll let you Google it. Okay. They have no homing device. They can't find their way. They just wander. They, they get lost. Let me tell you another thing about sheep. Sheep can't get up when they fall down. They, they need that little button. I've fallen and I can't get up. How, you some of you say, really? Is that true? They, they grow wool. And if the wool is not trimmed by the shepherd and they fall down, the wool is too heavy and they don't have the coordination to get back up and they'll die on their back. Because of what's growing out of them. There's a lot of preaching this, but I, I, I've got to keep moving. Not, not only that, let me tell you another thing about sheep. Sheep will smother themselves. Because if they don't get groomed, the wool will grow around their face to the point where they can't breathe anymore. See, isn't it good news? The good news of Christmas is that you're a sheep. Somebody said, that doesn't sound so good. Why did, I began to ask myself the question, God, why did you choose shepherds to bring the message? What's the point here? Why did they come and tell the story and what was going on? Well, let me tell you something about shepherds because I think when we look at the context of sheep and shepherds and the fact that God birthed a, a good shepherd for the sheep, right? I think we'll learn something. It's interesting because the Bible says that the shepherds were guarding their flocks. The word guard there is a word in the, in the Greek and it means this. It means to guard or preserve and its root meaning is this um, from the root word is to to guard from loss, injury, or to prevent from escaping. So, so the angel comes. Now let's set the context. The angel shows up and says to the shepherds, you guys need to quit being afraid. Which is a crazy thing to tell a shepherd because here's the number one qualification, the number one job description of a shepherd. You ready? Be afraid. Shepherds 
needed to be people who were afraid. You say, what, what are you talking about? What do you mean? Well, here's basically how they live their life. If I, if I don't watch them, I'm afraid they're going to run off and then they're not going to be okay. If I'm not paying attention, if I'm not afraid and paying attention, there's going to be a wolf come and steal one of my sheep. If I'm not paying attention, one of them's going to fall down. I'm not going to notice. And then what's going to happen is I'm going to show up to the owner of the flock because the shepherds don't own the flock. And when I show up to the owner of the flock, I'm going to have to be responsible and pay for the, she- the sheep that I wasn't paying attention to, that I lost. So, so I'm going to live my life always afraid of losing something. see, as I began to contemplate the story of Christmas, here's what began to happen in my mind. The angels show up, and yes, they say, don't be afraid because an angel appeared. But can I tell you, when the angel appeared, he probably wasn't a baby with diapers and wings. (laughs) Or he probably didn't wear a white garment and have a halo. Most theologians believe he just looked like you and me, looked like one of them. And he shows up, and there's something about him. There's a radiance of God on him, and he begins to speak. And I don't, I don't know if the shepherds were just saying, don't be afraid because this man has showed up, and, and you're surprised by it. I think maybe what the, the angel is trying to say, maybe what God is trying to say at this Christmas is I bring you good news, and here's the good news. Because shepherds live in fear. That means my sheep can live in peace. Because you don't have to worry about your next meal. You don't have to worry about the wolves that are coming. Because I gave you a good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. There's good news. It's cozy with the sheep because with the sheep, there's the peace. The peace comes when you're a sheep. Why? Because God has given you a shepherd to watch over your steps, to watch over your future, to watch over your life. It's cozy with the sheep. Maybe it's not so bad after all. Maybe it is good news. Because maybe the the angel showed up to tell the shepherd, but what he's really doing is he's telling you, you need to hear through your fear. Because too many of us are not hearing through our fears, so we live our life in fear, and we live like the shepherds. What am I going to lose? What's going to happen? Waiting for the shoe to drop. Oh, I don't know. You know, my kids, what if they end up marrying the wrong person? Or, or what happens if, if, if my job, that company, it's been a little crazy with the, the earnings this year, and what's going to happen? And you know, my marriage hasn't been like it should be. And you know, before long, we're anxious, we're afraid, we're worried, and what happens? We've lost our peace, and we've become the shepherd rather than the sheep because we've forgotten forgotten that Christmas means the shepherd the good shepherd has come shepherds live in fear and I'm not saying Jesus lives afraid but you understand the point that God says the prince of peace has come What are you afraid of losing? Have you missed Christmas, the coziness, the warmth, the peace of Christmas because you're trying to be the shepherd instead of letting the good shepherd guide and lead and protect? 
You know, I got to thinking about it, and what is, there's two, two thoughts that I want to end with. First is, you know, what does Christmas really look like at the Ming house? You know, and I'll be honest with you, some of my kids take after me. I'm, I'm cold-blooded, which, don't take that the wrong way. I, I mean, it's like, physically, I'm cold-blooded, so I'm always cold. And I have some of my kids that are cold. And how many know that when you have a family, you always have the cold-blooded, but you also have the hot-blooded? And then you even have every once in a while the boiling-blooded, you know what I'm talking about? Where they want the heat, no heater, it's air conditioning, and it's still 50 degrees outside. So you come into the Ming house, and let me show you what the Ming house looks like. Of course, in the Ming house, you're going to have pillows everywhere, on the beds, on the, on the chairs, on the couches, on the floor. Um, anyway, I'll let that go. I'll let that go. Um, and so here's what happens is, is you come to the Ming house, and here's what you're going to see. Well, actually, let me show you what you're going to see. You're going to see this. This is, this is what you're going to sing. It's what Christmas looks like. Oh, I forgot one of the big things that you also see. like some of you guys have the Mings over at your house too. The same kind of thing. It's cozy. It's warm in those blankets. I just want to, before I give you the last thought, remind you. It's a cozy Christmas because the manger says, in fact, Jesus said it himself. For those of you that are going, well, you're talking a lot about what could be, but let's just take the theological idea of, of letting Jesus speak. What does the manger say? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set the captives free. God has made a place for you. It's cozy at the manger. And it's peaceful with the sheep. I asked myself the question, why, why did God choose shepherds to tell the story? Because that's, that's what we read, right? The shepherds come, and then they go, and they tell the story of Christmas. In fact, let me read it to you. It's in Luke. You guys, if you'll pull that last verse up. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. They told the story. They came to the manger, and then they told the story of the manger. Maybe that's a beautiful picture. That we're not just called to come to the manger, we're called to leave the manger. And to leave the manger with a message. But why do you choose them? Because here's what you need to know about shepherds. People didn't like shepherds. They were the Lowest of the low of that socioeconomic culture. They were stinky. They were dirty. You didn't want to live next to a shepherd. You know why you didn't want to live next to a shepherd? Because shepherds didn't own their own flock or their own fields. And they didn't own their own flocks. So if you live next door to a shepherd and they need to feed their sheep and they were running out of grass on their yard, guess what? They're going into back backyard on your property. You didn't want to live next to a shepherd. In fact, they were so hated and reviled that if they were called into court to give a testimony, 
their testimony was considered unvalid and disqualified. So why in the world would God choose a shepherd who has no credibility and unqualified to be the very ones to tell the story? I don't know for sure. I'm going I'm to ask the Lord about it one day. But I will tell you this. Maybe this has all come full circle. Maybe God knows what he's doing because what God said is, all of you who are unqualified, I've not only made a place for you at the manger, but I believe in you to take what you've received at the manger. But, but when it happens and when you come to the manger and you find forgiveness and you find peace, you're going to walk out and the first thing the enemy's going to tell you is you, you can't talk about this. You can't have a testimony because you're a hypocrite. Look at the stuff you do and the enemy will try to silence you and the enemy will try to tell you that you don't have a voice. But I want to tell you something. Jesus believes in you. And he made a place for you, and not just a place for you to receive, but a place for you to give. Freely I've received, so freely I give. God wants you to go to the manger, to the cozy manger, to receive forgiveness and to receive peace so that you can go out and you can lift your voice and you can tell the world that you found the shepherd, that you found forgiveness, and that you found That's why it's a cozy Christmas. Everybody has a place at the sign, the manger.